0: Now for our scripture reading. Praise God. Today's scripture reading is from John fifteen seven and 8. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Praise God. Thank you, brother. Praise God. And we will, we will revisit um, that, uh, those scriptures there, so I'm going to ask you to start... By going to John 15 John 15 And we're going to start where that scripture begins Actually with verse number 1 And as you're turning there To kind of set the stage for today's message um, So many times we all pray for opportunities We pray for breakthroughs We pray for things that we need in life We pray for things that we, we want in life And we ask and we pray and we ask God to open a door for us. To open a door so that we can move into whatever new season or whatever that opportunity or position or whatever it might be in life that you're praying for. What we're going to look at today though is um, how do we really know that the door that's being opened to you is a door that was opened by God. Okay, how do we know that a door that's being opened to you is really a door that's being opened by God. Just because an opportunity presents itself and it looks appealing, all right, just because an opportunity presents itself and it looks appealing, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is from God, okay? But likewise, just because an open door looks a little bit uncertain, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't walk through it, okay? So we're going to look at today how do we discern. If an opportunity that is coming our way is really an open door that is coming from God. Okay, but first we need to understand, though, that if we are looking at a door or wanting or needing a door to be open, we need to understand what asking is all about. Okay, and you heard Brother Sean read part of the scripture that we're going to read. But let's go back to the beginning of that chapter and see how that fits into context. So let's go to John 15, which I guess you're already there. Okay, John 15. And starting with verse number one I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that, I, that beareth not fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except you abide in the vine. No more can you, except ye abide in me. So here Jesus is showing himself as we need to be a part of him because we can't do anything unless we're connected to him. Okay, a vine or a branch on a tree cannot grow forth fruit if it isn't connected uh, to the tree itself, to the main part of the, of the tree. goes on to say, I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Alright? So, just pausing a bit, we need to understand, first of all, that when we're asking God for something, when God we're looking for a breakthrough, we need a breakthrough, that we have to remember that we can do nothing without God. Nothing without God. Okay? If we get to the point that we're asking for something or we need a breakthrough in life, you can't think that you can get there without God being involved. Alright? And Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and I abide in you. Alright? So that means that you're living in Jesus and also Jesus is living in you. Because you have asked him to come into your life and to guide your life. Amen? So just, just remember right off the box here, you can't do anything without God. It goes on to say in verse number 6, if a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, please underline, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Alright, so if you abide in me and if my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and then it shall be done unto you. In this is my Father glorified. Um, that, you may, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now, you see that there's so much talking there about bearing fruit, all right? Bearing fruit in our lives is, 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 is equal to us being successful, okay? Successful does not necessarily mean a huge bank account, but being successful in bearing fruit means health, it means prosperity, it means well-being, it means joy, it means happiness, you know, that, that we're prospering in every sense of the word beyond the monetary sense of just prospering. Okay, as we know for a fact that prosperity is not just money because how many filthy rich people do we know or know of I mean I don't know many filthy rich people personally but how many do you know of you know and I read in the newspapers that are filthy rich and are exceedingly unhappy exceedingly unhappy I mean you can look to Hollywood and other places Okay, so when we see it bearing forth much fruit it's more than just having a fat bank account it's being successful and everything else that comes along with it so if you abide in him and if Jesus words abide in you okay Uh, uh, verse number eight again in this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit so shall you be my disciples as the father has loved me so have I loved you continue you in my love if you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. All right. So we see a few here, a few things here. We see that God wants us to be fruitful, to bear fruit, and God also wants us to have joy in our lives. All right. If we're struggling with something, then obviously there isn't much joy in our lives because it's hard for us to be joyful when we're struggling and, 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 and desiring many things to happen in our lives, and they're simply not happening. All right. So you see, that God is desirous for us to bear fruit, and God is also desirous of us to. Um, to, uh, to have joy in his life. Okay? Then we look here now, uh, because we see what his desire is. Now let's look at in prayer, how do we ask? You know, when we're asking for God for something, let's go to James. When we're asking God for something, you know, uh, what is the first thing that runs through our minds? Go to James 4. James 4. Okay? So Jesus said in John 15, it's say, he said, Ask and you shall receive. Okay? So you know that God wants us to ask him. So now you go to James 4 and look at verse number 1. James 4, verse number 1. From where come wars and fightings among you? Come they not here even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet ye have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. Alright? Okay? You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. In other words, what that is saying there, when we're asking of God in what frame of mind are we asking why are we asking for something you know is it is it simply because we're lusting after something you know and lusting is not always um tied does not always have a sexual connotation lusting can be simply something that we are desiring so much we want it so badly you know but but what could be the circumstances that might happen if we get that thing that we're asking for you know so what are the reasons you know it talks about here. it, it says you lust and have not you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain you fight in war yet you have not because you ask not. So how we, we ask God is very, very important, all right? And the reasons for why, why we're asking for something, all right? Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm praying for a vehicle um, simply because I want to look real show-offy and, and to be, you know, driving around the block, everyone look at me, look at me, look at me, or if I'm asking for a vehicle because I want to be able to deliver food and clothing to the hungry so that I can do God's work, you see, there's two different reasons why I'm desiring that vehicle amen so are you desiring something simply because you want to elevate yourself or for some other reason or is it something that it really is 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 a meaningful reason okay so when we're praying for something and we want something in our lives we got to check our motivations you know we got to check our our motivations you see and then also many times i've heard people pray lord if you just give me so and so i will serve you all the days of my life i will do this and you'll see such a change in me you know and boom god blesses them with that change then what happens All of a sudden, how quickly they forget what God did for them. How quickly they turn around and go in the other direction. So what is our motivation for asking? Jesus said to ask, and you shall receive, okay? But then check your motivation, why you're you're asking, all right? Continuing to setting the stage. Okay, so now you're asking. So then you may say, well, God, give me a sign. Go to Isaiah. God, give me a sign. So many times things are presented to us and we don't really know uh, whether or not we should act on it, you know. And as I said before, one of the things that we need to learn and to understand is that if we're asking God to open a door for us, and a door does open for us, not every door that opens necessarily comes from God alright every door that opens comes is necessarily coming from God so we need to have some sort of a signal some sort of a sign and we're gonna get a little more detailed in a moment Um, you've heard me tell the story and I won't go into it again but 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 uh, and in a whole lot of detail but you know there was a position that was offered to me offered to me offered to me and the vice president that was offering the position just followed me and asking me and asking me and it didn't feel right in my spirit my wife and I prayed it didn't feel right in my spirit on the, on, on the surface, it would have been a very advantageous position, very prestigious, a lot more money, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but it did not feel right. That was a door that was being opened, all right? I did not see and receive the confirmation from God that I was looking for. I did not feel peace in my spirit, and I did not accept the position. And thank God I didn't, because the whole uh, uh, a scandal broke loose in that particular division, and people were, newspapers, and some folks were, were arrested. I mean, it was a big scandal going on, and so like that, and thank God that I did not take that position. That was a door that was being opened to me, but that door was not of God. Because had I taken and gone through that door, then I would have been caught up in that same scandal. Okay? But then again, as I said in the opening, though, that does not mean, though, sometimes if a door is open, and it feels uncomfortable you know, to you, does not mean that you shouldn't maybe take the walk through the door. The, 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 the key is to being able to discern what is of God, that door, and what door is not of God okay and it was not because God can open a door that might feel uncomfortable to you but there's some reasons for doing that which we'll get in before this message is over alright so talking about signs so go to um, uh, Isaiah 7 Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 10 okay Moreover, the Lord spoke again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I test the Lord. And he said, Hear you now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay? So we all know what that's about, the sign there being the Star of David, you know, that led the wise men to the birth of where Jesus was being born. But the point that I want to raise is that God does indeed give signs. God doesn't indeed give signs. You might not see the Star of David (laughs) pointing you to the house that you're looking for, or the job opportunity that you're praying for, or anything else. But God will indeed give you a sign, but we have to ask him many times, give me that sign. Lord, let me know that this door that I see open before you is indeed really you. You know, give me some sign of of confirmation that it's really you that I'm looking for. Okay? There are three things to remember. Three things to remember. The door that opens will never... The door that opens to you will never contradict God's word. Alright? If a door is open to you, it will not contradict God's word. The second thing is that the door that is open to you will be accompanied by some sort of confirmation from God all right the door that is open will be will be uh, also with a confirmation and then lastly the door that God opens will require you to depend on him all right okay the door that God does open will will require you to depend on him and we're going to go through each one of these three steps here to remember the door that God's opened uh, will never contradict his word let's go to 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians 6. Second Corinthians 6, and let's start at 11. Second Corinthians 6, 11. O ye Corinthians, our speech to you is candid, our heart is wide open. On our part, there is no constraint, but there is no constraint in your affections. In fair exchange, I speak as unto my children, open wide your hearts to us. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what... Uh, And what concord concord hath Christ with Belial? or What part hath he that believes with an infidel or an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Okay? So in saying here that God will never open a door that will contradict his word, you're not going to find God putting you in a position that's going to go against his word. And that's just to use that as an example. You know, I've seen in ministry over the many, many years, you know, so many sisters who, who were praying for a brother. They wanted a husband. You know, they wanted a husband. So then all of a sudden, they spot this guy in church, you know, and, all, and they're madly in love with him. He looks so cute, and he's so spiritual and everything. And then all of a sudden, they say that, God gave me a sign. God, a sign. God told me that this is the man for me. This is the man for me. In the meantime, this brother is married. And this is a true story. In the meantime, this brother is married, all right? So God is going to open the door for this sister to marry this guy, which means that God would somehow have to remove his present wife out of the situation, kill her off, or do something, something horrible just to make this woman get her dream that she's thinking is God. That would be counter to God's word, okay? Or a sister praying to be with somebody who's not even a believer, you know, who is an out-and-out out out sinner, you know, is a drunkard and everything else, a blasphemer, but yet still, for some reason, they think that God has opened the door for her to be with this particular fellow or fellow with this woman okay and that 's being unequally yoked it says there be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness all right so God is not going to be opening any sort of a door to you or putting you in sort of a, some sort of a position that 's going to cause you to violate that God is not going to have you to 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 marry I mean unless he 's really really got a plan for you to do something there and God will certainly tell you that that's going to put you in any kind of position that is counter to his word God does not want us fellowshipping with the people here that is what does it say in verse 15 and what concord hath Christ with Belial you know Belial is is one of the uh, demons that they used to worship back in those days you know so we have to be very very careful in looking at what I'm hearing and seeing as God opening this door is it going to be be, be violating his word okay the word of God talks about it says uh, uh, forsake not the gathering together of, 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 of yourselves together, or forsake not the gathering of the brethren. God is not going to be opening a door to us that is going to take us away from his word, to take us away from the ability to study his word, to pray to him, to fellowship fairly regularly. You know, Now that is not to say that some jobs do not take you out of church occasionally. You know, that, that is not to say that. We know plenty of doctors and nurses and other jobs sometimes do take you out of, out of church occasionally. What I'm talking about though is a job where you are away for weeks and maybe months at a time, you know, that is counter to God's word because God said, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. So anything that you see opening up that is, is counter, to the word of, uh, counter to the word of God, you've you got to really be careful about it. Uh, and, and, and so many people also feel that, well, God brought this person into my life so that I can save them. The person is an unbeliever so that I can save them, you know. Well, first of all, we can save no one it's the Holy Spirit that does the wooing that calls the person, and it's the blood of Jesus that brings salvation, so we don't save them, all we can do is make them aware of the word, make them aware of God Jesus and the Holy Spirit and so on like that but we can't save them, um, once we start setting ourselves up as the person that has to, to bring this soul to the Lord and thinking that you are responsible for this, then that puts you in, in, in a very very difficult position, because then you wind up fellowshipping with them you wind up um, going to the bar because you feel like you have to save them. You wind up going to the smoke den or whatever it is that the way they're hanging out. Everything that would be against God's word. You see, now, that is not to say that God may put a burden for someone on your heart to pray for them and so on like that, but that means that you pray for them, you pray for them from a distance, you know, but you do not cross over and get into their lifestyle because then you're fellowshipping. What concord has Christ with Belial or what part, part is he uh, that believeth with an infidel unbeliever. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So anything that that you are praying for and that door opens up that is going to get you to compromise God's word, you got to be very, very, very suspect of that because God is not going to do something to violate his word in your life. Amen? He simply does not work that way. If you have to do anything Thing to bend scripture to justify an open door that door is not of God ok so in other words a door opens up to you and you read the scripture you know that this particular door is, is forcing you to violate or, 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 or compromising the word of God in your life If you've got to read scripture and then say Well the scripture says You know thou shalt not blah 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 But what that really means is that I can't do so and so and so and so So therefore this door is okay for me Because this is what it really really says Alright So what you're doing there is that You're bending the word of God To fit your circumstance Instead of you going by the word of God God. Okay? Uh, you, uh, you, can bend, you can bend the word of God to say, well, that only means, you know, on the 15th of the month and the 27th of the month. You know, that's what God wrote in the Bible. So therefore, this thing that I'm involved in will only have me doing on other days. So the Bible does not say I can't do it on those days. So therefore, it's okay for me to do it. You see, we as human beings are so good at rationalizing, particularly when it comes to the word of God, for rationalizing and thinking that God words, God's word says something that allows me to do something that it doesn't Amen. Amen. So anything that is forcing you to compromise or if you've got to sit down and study scripture until you read that scripture to fit whatever that door is, then more than likely that door is not for you because God's word is what it is and there's no compromising about it. Okay. All right. All and, right. And, and don't be desiring that thing so badly that you compromise yourself. Amen. And that goes back to what the first scripture said there about um, for you ask amiss. Alright, because why are you asking? Because you want this thing so bad and this door to you seems to be so appealing. You know, so attracted that this really, really fits my needs, you know, that you start twisting and bending the word of God. And that's not where, that's not where it is. God will not do anything to, to get you to bend his word. Amen. He will not open the door to drive you away from his word. Okay, the second thing to be remembered is that the door will be accompanied by confirmation. There will be some sort of a sign. Let's go to Judges 6. You know, now, now signs can come from, signs can come from many, many places. God uses people to deliver signs of confirmation while you're turning there. I, um, I recall when I was, um, being led to come, to leave New York and come to Oregon, and, and my wife and I were praying, praying about it very, very diligently, and, um, and, uh, uh, and, 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 I mean, the whole process, from the time that I knew that God was calling me to Oregon from New York, the whole process took at least a year. Took a year. It took a year of much prayer, of much, much thinking much soul searching, much confirmation during that time because this was not an easy thing to do. Not only was it a change that was, was changing my social environment, so to speak, and where family and everything was, where this is where I was born and raised and grew up and so on like that, where a very su- successful career, um, this was a major change. But I knew in my spirit, I felt in my spirit that this was God telling me to do that. But I needed to know that this was really, really God because I also knew that if I picked up and traveled 3,000 miles, Miles uprooting my kids out of school, who were still in school at the time, bringing them here. That this would be a major thing. I needed to make sure this was God, you know. And during that past, that that time, and asking for various confirmations, you know, I, one of the things that were the most profound was uh, one gentleman. I was sitting on the train going to work, and I was reading the Word, and he looked over and saw me reading the Bible, and just said, "Oh, I see you're a student of the Bible." I said, "Yes, I love to read it." And he says, "One of my favorite scrip- scriptures is Genesis chapter 12, just out of the." blue just like that. In Genesis chapter 12 we all know is the story where Abraham was told to get thee out of, the, out of your father's country to leave your kin and move forward and so on like that to a place that I will show you. And Abraham didn't know where he was really going. He was just following God. And that was the, 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 the key scripture that was guiding me for over a year. And this total stranger out of the blue said that. So these were signs. Not to mention Joyce Meyer and Kenneth Copeland and several other people that kept shooting that verse. Someone out there is, is not being obedient to God Abraham left Genesis 12 it just kept being dropped at me these were all signs and, and I knew and I knew and I knew and finally the final sign that tipped it was um, I said I wasn't going to go there but I'm feeling like I probably need to tell the whole story uh, pretty much the whole story um, the last thing was that I had my, my dad living with me at the time who was, was, was up in age and so forth and I said gee was going to uproot him now from New York and everything like that and how's he going to feel about this move and I held off talking to him and finally Finally, my wife and I went in and talked to him and said, Dad, guess what we're thinking about? Picking up and moving to, to Oregon and building the church there and so on like that. And we sat there watching his face for something and he looked. He said, oh, Oregon. I loved Portland. I was there during the big one, meaning World War II. I was there during the big one. Oh, yeah, the ship came in and so on. And he started that long, one of his long stories, you know, about how he loved Portland, Oregon. Sure, I'd love to go there. And we were like, what? You really will? So that was the final obstacle, one of the things I was concerned about. I didn't know that he had been to Oregon, that he loved it and so on. But the point that I'm making to you is that here was a major door that was opening, and I had to look for signs. I was constantly asking God, I don't want to go making this move if this is not out of you okay, and God will honor it so we're going to look at someone here in in Judges named Gideon and many of you are probably familiar with him and, and this isn't the best example because he, this was a fellow who was really suffering from a lack of faith. But um, Gideon, uh, chapter 6 and starting at verse number 36, um, the preceding verses before 36 is where Gideon is being told by God you know, to, um, to, to, to go against Baal, the Baal worshippers, the devil worshippers, to throw down the altars of Baal. You can read them, uh, read it later on for yourself, and to tear down those altars. So then he says, Gideon says in verse number 36, And Gideon said unto God If thou wilt save Israel by my hand As thou hast said Behold I will put a fleece of wool in the floor And if the dew be on the fleece only And it be dry upon all the earth beside it then shall I know that Thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as Thou hast said. Okay. So He says, I'll put a fleece of wool out there, and uh, uh, and if the dew, if the, if the dew is on the uh, if the dew will be on the fleece only, and it will be dry upon the earth beside it, then I'll know it's You. And it was so. For he rose up early on the next day and thrust the fleece together and wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. So we know this wasn't mere dampness that he, that he had picked up. It wasn't dew, you know, that it settled on it or fog that it. You know, it was really a lot of water because he wrung out a bowl full. Then he goes on to say uh, in verse number 39, And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me make a trial, I pray thee, but this... Uh, once more with the fleece, let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground that there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on the land. All right? And then if you read through 7, it goes on to say that he went on and, and God told him how to, to, uh, to win over, uh, how to win the battle and so on. And he did. But the point that I'm making here now, this was a man, obviously he didn't have much faith in God. God gave him the sign. Then he came back again and said, God, give me just sign one more time, you know. So we see the Bible is sprinkled throughout where people were asking God and were indeed asking God for signs. And God will give you the signs if you ask him and if you look for them, if you look for them, all right. And that means that um, when you ask God for the sign, you know, I'm praying for this door to be open for me. I'm praying for success in this area. I'm praying for a blessing and whatnot. Don't be so caught up in wanting this thing and your reason for having it or because you're lusting after doing this thing or having this thing, that when God gives you the sign, either way that it may be, that you misread it. Amen? That you misread it. You make sure that you're asking God for the sign and then you're looking for the sign. You know? And be specific about it. Be specific. You, you, you know? I mean, the whole thing with me in Genesis 12, what had started me on this thing was in going to Oregon was that I had read this particular verse and that it confirmed that God wanted me to come here I knew in my spirit God wanted but then I said Lord you got to give me a better sign because you know I think that's what I hear you saying here Okay, because I even went, you know, Oregon's a big place, and I even went and searched Salem, which is Shalom, and verses and so on like that, and I can, and it's too long a story, uh, being on which side of a river, which ran through a part in the Bible here, on the uh, east side of the river, and that's how I knew it was Salem. But God worked it out to me, for me, geographically, and knew exactly, as opposed to Portland or somewhere else, that it had to be Salem, All right, because of the fact that God gave me the signs. So what I'm saying to you is that, and and... You know, I almost said this may sound supernatural to you. Well, guess what? It is supernatural because God is supernatural, meaning he's outside of the natural. If you're asking God for things and you're praying for a breakthrough and you want a door to be open, the signs that God w- will give to you will be will be amazing. It will be amazing, you know. And, and I'm not talking about coincidence because what God will do is that God will show you. He'll, he'll say, well, okay. If you're into coincidence, which we as Christians don't believe in coincidence, um, one person said it, yeah, two people said it, hmm, three people say it. When you start getting around to and people and four and five signs coming your way, okay, you know that it's not God. You know that it's not God. I mean, that, that it is God. Okay, and that things are, that God is sending you the signs. I'm not saying, however, to be like Gideon. I mean, Gideon prayed very specifically about that fleece. Gideon should have known the first time around that God was answering and that God was giving him that sign. But Gideon pushed a little more and said, okay, God, give me another sign, alright? So the second point there is that the door that God is opening will indeed be accompanied, uh, by a sign. And the best way to determine the signs that you're seeing is it from God is to go to God when this door is being opened and saying, Okay, God, I believe you're telling me to take this house. I believe you're telling me to take this job. I believe you're telling me to take this opportunity. I believe you're telling me to do this. This is the sign that I think I'm hearing from you, Lord God. Please just let me know if this is you. Okay? And you will feel such a peace come on you that you'll know that this is God. Okay? You'll know that it's God. All right? Now, even if you are one... That is, praying for something so badly, and you want this thing so badly, alright? And you really want this thing so badly, alright? And Jesus said, now, don't forget, if my words abide in you, but if this thing, you want this thing so badly, and you're thinking, you know, that you're seeing this, this particular sign, alright? Make sure, again, the test is, is this thing that I'm going to take, is it going to make me compromise my position in God? Okay? Is this thing going to get me going into a direction that is against God's word? Because God is not going to tell you to do that. He is not going to give you something. All right? That will make you do that. All right? And then, Lord, speak to my heart. Is this really you? Now, the peace that I was saying that you'll feel when you know it's God, you will know what that peace is. All right? Because if you are a child of God and God's words are in you, all right, you can... Um, Rationalize to yourself. You can say, okay, I got the peace. I got the answer to my, I got the sign. I got the peace. I know this is God, all right? But deep down inside you, deep in your spirit, there will be that little thing that is telling you, this is not right okay, that this is not where God wants me to go, alright, you, you, you can rationalize and you can misread God's sign, or you can think that God gave you that sign, alright, but the, in the final analysis, it's discernment and it's prayer, Lord, if this is you, give me your peace, give me your peace with that, alright, and if you're a child of God, you'll know when that peace sets in, because if you are a child of God, and you think that you have that peace, and it's your mind telling you, okay, I got that sign, the guy on TV. Said this, the guy on the bus said this, the so and so showed up. You, you know, this is exactly the number of rooms I want. This is exactly the salary I need. This is exactly the girl that I'm in love with. You know, and everything fits, all right? Deep down inside, when you go to do it, you feel this little thing inside you that something is not right, all right? That something is still amiss. That something is still, you, you know, if you've ever had really peace about doing something, and you know God has set this thing in place. If you really had peace about, yes, this is what I need to do, then you know what that feels like. Okay? All right? all right. Okay? All right? Everyone sitting, well, quite a few people sitting in this room are married. You know what that was like when you met your, your better half. Okay? That peace that you had, at least I hope you did. Anyway, that peace that you felt knowing that this was indeed the right move. All right? If you're doing something and you think it's God, and you're asking, Lord, give me your peace about this situation. And then you think you have it. There will be still, when you walk away to do this, you'll know, eh, this thing, it's, it's, still not, it's still not right. It's, it's, still, it's still not right. If you're feeling that, then don't take that action. All right? Stop. Okay? Because that's Holy Spirit in you. At the last minute, the Holy Spirit is still trying to tell you, don't take that action. Don't go there. Don't do this, okay? Because this is not of me. Amen? So, in the final analysis, you can have the signs, all right? But then the thing is, then you say, okay, Lord, this is the sign that I think I saw. This is what I believe you're telling me to do. So, Lord, speak to me because I'm about to take that step. Give me your peace, all right? If you feel any slight sense of hesitancy about taking that step, whatever it is, through that door, then by all means, do not do it. Do not do it, okay? Because if God is having you to do something, he'll give you total peace over it. The door that God, that God opens will require you to depend on him, okay? So, that's where going back to what I said earlier, that there may be a door that you know it's God telling you to go through. Everything, you've got that peace, you know. But maybe you're, you're nervous about doing it. You know it's God. But then you'll, well, you know, I'm not equipped to do that, you know. I, I mean, I know it's right, but I'm not equipped. How am I going to carry this? Or How am I going to do it? All right. This is where you've got to depend on God. All right. When God sent Abraham forth... Abraham knew that he had to do what God told him to do. He had peace about it, but he knew that he could not do it without God's help. All right, Same thing here. Same thing here, coming to Oregon. I knew I couldn't do it without God's help. All right, And, and when, I, when I got it, we were here. Um, my plan was two weeks. That was the time that I had. Within that two-week time, buying one-way tickets for family. One-way tickets. So, Lord, this is you. You'll find me a house. And then on that last day, I'll go back and I'll close up the property back east and sell the house and do whatever we need and we'll move forward from there. All right. On well, the last day, it was a Sunday. Did not have a house. Had been to see many. Didn't work. This wasn't work. Doesn't work. And I was praying. I said, Lord, I know. I know this is you that got me here. So I need your help. I need your help. You've got to show me what it is you want me to do. Simple as that. I can't do without you. Speaking to my friend that we were staying with at the time, we said, you know, she told me, she said, Pastor, there was one place we didn't look at. It was down in South Salem. It was a little far away. We were staying out in the Bish area. And I said, "Well, Lord, if this is you, I, I can't do this without you. You've got to make it happen. Long story short, we drove out there, looked at the house. It was everything that we needed. Then on top of that, the owner that was in the house, we rang the bell. And all through this one year plus, I'm hearing Abraham, 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 Abraham. The owner of the house came downstairs and opened the door and he said, Hello, my name is Abraham. True story. So we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was the house and that was the place and that this was God. I could not have done that without God. All right, this is a door being opened and every step of the way. I had to have confirmation. I had to know that every sign that I saw was really from God. And God will do that. God will walk It will work in ways that will just simply astound you astound you way beyond anything that could be a coincidence you see so that's how you know and so and so when that open door does open up when you do go through it you got to say okay lord i'm through the door now lord how am i going to carry this thing out how am i going to do this thing what steps do i have to take next amen so let's go to to matthew six what steps what steps am i going to take next now that i'm through i followed you lord okay i got peace about this the Lord frankly I'm still a little bit nervous. I know this is what you want me to do, you know. I mean, how many here have been in a place where you knew that God wanted you to do something. You felt good about it. You knew this was the right thing to do. Yes though, you 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 wondered about how you were going to do it. You know, do I have the ability You know, do I have, um, you know, if if it's a job, I mean, do I have the professional background? You you know, do I have the ability to carry the tasks that this job calls for? You know, how am I going to do that? You know, but you know God is putting you there. You know, know, the first time that I was put behind a pulpit, I knew this was God wanted me to do. And I'm telling you, I've spoken in front of people for a long time. And when you stand up there for the first time, look at all these eyes looking at you, you know, there's, a, there's a degree of knee-knocking knee that takes place. And you literally have to pray, God, get me through this sermon, get me through this sermon. Amen, amen. So when God's opened the door, you still, you're not 100% home free yet, so to speak, you may feel some hesitancy. So go to Matthew 6, and uh, you know these scriptures here. I'm not going to go through the whole the whole as the whole we know that starting in verse 25 it talks about, you, you know, um, uh, about how if God clothes uh, you know, the grass of the field and feeds the birds, how much more will God take you, you know, fee, care for you. But the only one I want to focus on is verse number 33, which everyone here knows and you probably already have it highlighted, if not highlighted in your Bible, but seek you first, underlining the word first, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Okay? Seek you first the kingdom of God and all this righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. So you get to the point that that door is open before you and you're still feeling nervous about how am I going to do this, the first thing you have to do, as and always, is to seek God first. Seek God first, all right? If you were seeking God first when you were asking for this door to be opened, you know, amen, amen, then you're in much, a much better position if you're seeking Him first, rather than seeking God second or third or last, and yes, you need a particular door to be opened to you. Every single step of the way, we need to be seeking God first. You seek Him, then all of these other things, whatever those things are that you need, will be Given unto you, Amen. So as you're going into this new, uh, what did Noah do after they landed in the ark? What does the Word of God says? First, thing he did was he built an altar alright so in other words he went to church you know, he went to worship God first of all and I'm sure having this brand new land Noah probably went oh gosh what next what next so the first thing he did is to go to God so when this door has been opened for you and even though you know it's God if it feels a bit challenging don't forget to seek God first alright so, you know, so just because you feel a little bit challenged does not mean that, that God did not open the door alright if everything else lines up your confirmation has been there you've been given signs it's not making you compromise the word, you feel in your spirit that this is God, but if you're hesitant and nervous about how you're going to pull this thing off, how you're going to do it, remember to seek God first. Okay, and then the last few scriptures here is going to Hebrews. Hebrews 11 Okay just remember that God is not going to give us something that will alienate us from him Or make us believe that we no longer need him He's a God of relationships and a God who insists upon being first in our lives And, and again, I, I can't stress the point enough about um, When you have gone through that door that God has opened You know, Please, whatever you do, don't forget who opened the door for you Don't forget, because I've seen that so many times People get blessed, people wind up in new, new, new places, things that, that people have been praying for, you know, and through against all odds, God blesses them and brings them into a good place. Seems like after that, you know, maybe it lasts for a week or two, maybe a month. But then beyond the month, all of a sudden, it's business as usual. You know, they stop the praying. They stop focusing on God. They stop thanking God. You know, they forget how quickly, how quickly they forget that, that, that it wasn't too long ago they were on their knees crying out to God in tears for God to help them. God blessed them miraculously. Now, all of a sudden, they forget about Him. Amen? Amen. So you've got to remember that that, that God blessed you. And the other reason for remembering that, too, is because... Um, The doors in our lives um, run in a linear fashion, so to speak, Uh, being that we live in linear time. You know, we have yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So a door that you may be praying for, for a future event or for a future condition in your life, when that door is open, that's just one door that you've gone through. As you go through life, there will be other doors that you will have a need for opening. So that means that you'll need God again. So don't think that now that I've gotten through this door, this thing that I've prayed for, and now I've received it, that I don't need God anymore because there will be other challenges and other doors in your life. There will be many doors that are closed in your face, and then there will be many doors that are opened. And for each of those decisions, it's like that old game show, you know, do I choose door number one, door number two, or door number three? Because you were successful in winning that first prize that you got, don't think that there won't be another challenge in your life where you'll need God again to open another door for you. So don't forget about him. Don't forget about him. Honor him, praise him, worship him. Because when the time comes for you to need another door open or another direction, you'll need to remember how how God brought you through that first door or that second door that was behind you. The same way David, when he was challenged about killing Goliath, and he said, and they were telling him, you'll never be able to withstand. David very quickly told him, you're kidding me? God delivered me from the mouth of the bear, from the paw of the lion, etc., etc. He went and, and talked about how God delivered him through those other experiences. So it's the same with us. As we successfully go through a door, we can't forget what God did for us in the past. Amen? So, and so you've got to have the faith. So we go to Hebrews 11, verse number 1. Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith, faith meaning faith for right now. Continual faith. You can't be wanting a door to be opened by God and saying, I'll have faith for this next week. Or, I'll have faith for this tomorrow. You need faith for it right now, you see. And the reason that you need that faith for, for right now is because that is the only thing that is really constant in your life. And that is the now. It's the present moment, okay. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not here yet. So you can't say that I'm going to have faith for yesterday. I'm going to have faith for yesterday. That's kind of silly because you know that what was done yesterday is already done. You can't say it's foolish to say I'll have faith tomorrow. You see? So you need to have faith now, in the present time. You see? So now faith is the very substance of the things that you hope for. It's the evidence of the things not seen. Alright? So looking for that door or that need that's in your life, you've got to have faith knowing that God, first of all, is going to, to put that door before you. And then at the right time, He will open that door in God's time. Okay? And when God opens the door for you, believe me, everything is, per- is perfect. Everything is perfect. Everything falls into place. Everything. Uh, okay? uh, again, with our Oregon adventure, so to speak, and, and landing here and the family here. And I went back to close the house and to sell the property and so forth. And 9-11 took place and so forth while I was back there. And so I was back east uh, for a good uh, two, two, three months until I joined him. family was here without the benefit of transportation or anything else. The house that we landed in, that God put us in, and, and Brittany was, was young in elementary school. There was a bus stop that was right across the street that went right straight to the school. There was no issue for Tanya to get her to get her to school, uh, to, to, um, to school and, and so forth. Everything just fell into place. Didn't have a washing machine, you know. And while I was in New York, went to Sears Roebuck. There happened to be a washer and dryer on sale. And I grabbed up that... Bad boy, and contacted the seers here in, in, in Oregon, and they had everything delivered right here from Salem. so I mean everything, literally everything just fell into place with no hassle. This is how you know that God is opening the door you know and i don 't forget that, and I tell the story when the Holy Spirit so guides me to, to do so to make the point that if you trust in God and you seek him first and ask him for confirmation to make sure that it 's you, God will bless you, and He will make it so much easier, and having that continual now faith. And then the last scripture here is in verse number 6. Verse number 6 is, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe, please underline, must believe that he is, underline he is too. God must believe that he is, and that he is, underline he is, a rewarder of them that weakly seek him, that mildly seek him, Diligently seek Him. Amen? To those that diligently seek Him. Underline diligently. Okay? So, without faith it's impossible to please God, okay? If you you can't have faith, then you're not going to be pleasing God. Alright? And and faith is sometimes very, very challenging when there's something that you need very, very badly. You know, especially when you seem like you're running out of time. You know, and the Lord knows that I can certainly testify to that because I had run out of time. One more day. See, but God was testing my faith. God was testing my faith, okay? I had two weeks. He took it up until the day before, looking to see whether or not I was going to fall off my faith wagon, I guess, and just simply give up, okay? But I was faithful because I knew what I knew, what I knew, what I knew. And that comes from your experience with God. If you've been with God a long time and you've been praying to him and trusting him and reading his word, you'll know when God is doing something. So, so without that faith, it's impossible to please him and say, for he that comes to God, you've got to believe that he is. All right? This whole thing about the door, the open door, if you don't believe that God is who he says he is, then it's a practicing futility. Because it's not going to help you one bit. You have to believe that God is indeed who he says he is. That he's able, he's quite able to bring you through whatever it is that you're wrestling with. Alright, you must believe that he is. And that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Okay, diligently means with focus. Diligently does not mean that I have this need. Oh, I'm praying about this thing that I need. I need this thing to happen in my life or whatever. You know, you put forth that prayer. You never open your Bible again. You don't go to church. You don't spend time in prayer with God. You know, you're not reading the Word every opportunity that you get. I'm not saying you've got to read the Bible 24-7, but set aside some time to read the Word because you're seeking Him, you know. And you can certainly, you can seek God when you're driving a car, you know. Because when there are things happening in your life that you're needing or that you're wanting and praying for, you know, unfortunately... Those thoughts just don't come into being at the times that you want to think about them. Those things that you need, those things that are dangling out there, they pop into your mind at all certain at all sorts of times. At the times that they do, you seek God. You seek God. You got a, a few moments to yourself. You seek God. You're in the shower by yourself. There's no one in there to talk to you. Talk to God. He's there with you. You know, you can t- talk to God when you're doing the dishes. Seek God. This is that's diligently seeking God. Okay, God sees that you're always there talking to him You're always there calling to him He sees that you're serious you're telling God, and you know that, God, I know you're going to bring me through this. I know this is you. I know that's what I heard. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. That's you giving strong evidence of faith. Okay? And then he'll know. Amen? So again, the three signs, three things to remember about doors is that, uh, one, the door that opens, the God, that God opens will never contradict his word. That's one. The door that God opens will be accompanied by a confirmation. And then three, the door that God opens will require you to depend on him. Amen. Amen. To depend on Him and to stay dependent on Him. Just don't say, okay, now I've got this, now I've got that. I'm home free. I don't have to worry about God. God, answered my prayers. Thank you, Lord, by the way. Thank you. And then you just go on and do your thing again. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.